Tennessee State is opening up the 2023 season with Notre Dame. Michael Badajo is climbing the draft charts, and Jackson State men's basketball just lost a key component of their team to the transfer portal. Oh, yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And Tennessee State just made a major announcement. Listen. Everybody is concerned about who's playing who for 2022. I get it. This is the, the season that's coming up. Tennessee said, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what you have to say. Because what I'm worried about is the future of my program. And I'm announcing in 2023, I'm opening up the season with Notre Dame. Announcement that I don't think should be lumped in with other HBCU versus FBS matchups. I think that this is something completely different. I'm going to, of course, tell you why I think so. But first, I want to say that everybody's concerned about 2022. So to announce this decision, we haven't played a game in 2022 yet. We haven't played a game. For them to announce this, this decision right now, that tells you how major of an announcement it is, and that's why you need to pay attention. When I saw this news pop up on my phone, I said, whoa, wait a minute. And this is newly developing. That needs to be clarified. It's newly developing. And I say that because the, the, the relationship between Marcus Freeman, the new head coach of the Fighting Irish in Notre Dame, is friends with the Tennessee State head coach and Eddie George. It goes back to Ohio State, which they both went to at different times. Eddie George was in the 90s while Marcus Freeman was in the 2000s. So it's completely different situations or different times. But that, that you know, that relationship just goes. Your alma mater, you see other alum, especially if you both play football, which they both did. It, that relationship just goes back. Eddie George probably went back to school at some point or maybe, you know, things happen. Maybe they meant after, but regardless, they have formed some sort of relationship. And that is what's been credited as a part of this, of, of what made this happen. So I think that you need to understand that right there is super important. And that's why I say it's newly developing because Marcus Freeman has only been a coach since December. So you got four months max, what, December, part of December, really, but December, January, February, March, you got four months. I'm not even counting April is what, April? What was today? April 6th? Yeah, today's April 6th. I'm not counting that. So let's be honest, it's four months developing. And a lot of these these schedules are made time months in advance. But, you know, things happen, right? So it's a newly developing situation. And I like that it happened because it signifies big things for Tennessee State. And it also signifies a change for Notre Dame. And, oh, one... How could I forget? How could I forget? Even the the Notre Dame athletic director said that George's vision is what made this happen. So, yes, we're giving credit to Notre Dame, but let's first give special shout out to the coach of Tennessee State because 
this is what I think happens when you bring in these big type names, because they already come with the respect that they're trying to get the, the university to have on a national landscape. So it's it's really beneficial in the sense of, all right, well, people respect Eddie George. We're trying to get them to respect Tennessee State in the same way. Well, you got Eddie George right there. It helps. So Eddie got a lot of pull, man. He went on there and said, look, I'm trying to get Tennessee State up out the OVC. They're crediting him for making this happen personally. Of course, they credited Dr. Allen as well. But they also said Eddie's vision. He's getting a lot of credit in this situation. So I think that that's something that needs to be pointed out. And then I really like the new direction that Notre Dame is headed in. And just to divert a little bit, but Notre Dame played Howard earlier this year and in basketball. It really means nothing if you just take it at that. But when you think about the fact that they played a the game, but then where they played that game, and they played that in Washington, D.C., at Howard, for them to travel to Howard, in basketball is major because listen, a lot of times when you have these games, whether it's in a, a FCS school, right, right. So the football teams are FCS, um, but that doesn't exist in basketball. So they're all just Division One. But um, if you got an FCS school that's bigger than MEAC, you see them going to them if they play. If they're going to an FBS school, they're definitely playing at that school, at that other school. And you know, when you're playing in basketball, they're going to everybody's gym. They're not the most of the the home games are basically conference games. So for them to come to to Howard in the middle of the season, really, just on in January on Martin Luther King Day, that was a major thing. And that was it was called the MLK Classic. MLK Day was on, I believe it was on All-Star Weekend. No, it wasn't All-Star Weekend. That was a different game, excuse me. But it was on MLK Day. MLK Classic. I loved it. Now you see them turning another leaf. And that was the first time they ever traveled to an HBCU. Now you see them playing an HBCU for the first time in football. I absolutely love the shift that Notre Dame is making. I think that is super positive. I think that this isn't a cash grab. I, that's why I went in because so many times when a SWAC or a MEAC, just any HBCU, because they don't belong in the SWAC or the MEAC, Tennessee State, um, you see these games, oh, that's a money grab. And I'm sure there's some money involved. But like I said, the relationship between the head coaches is what made this happen. I truthfully believe that this is Freeman saying, hey, I understand what my friend Eddie George is trying to do to legitimize the brand, bring more attention and publicity to the brand. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do this. So this is the first time that that has ever happened for Notre Dame to play in HBCU. And it's happened a lot in large part because of Eddie George. So I got to give him a lot of credit. And even the, the Texas, excuse me, the Tennessee State Athletic Director gave another benefit to Eddie George. So in a way, this, this matchup is really a feather in George's cap if we're just going to be honest about it and just kind of address it, I think it is, in my opinion, it is because it, it speaks to the name and the, the exposure that he brings in the same way that, that Dion has the exposure. Eddie George is a big name coach. Hugh Jackson is a big name coach. These names are getting exposure. This is what a lot of people ask for when you have, this is what a lot of people ask for period, but it's easier to get when you have a bigger coach, a bigger name coach. So the athletic director of Tennessee State said that this lays a long-term, uh, excuse me, a foundation for long-term success under Eddie, Eddie George. Very clear. I haven't heard anything about Eddie George trying to move on anywhere. No, he hadn't had the same level of success immediately that Dion had. However, I like it. Why you got to go anywhere? He don't need to go anywhere. He's a Tennessee Titan. Now he's a Tennessee State Tiger coach. 
It's really that simple. But I think that this should be a feather in the cap of Eddie George, and I absolutely love it. Another thing that I do love is my guy, Michael Batajo, climbing up the draft charts. I'm starting to see him in mock drafts, and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. Not my boy. But we're going to talk about that in a second because I am excited to talk about how I've seen a lot more talk about him actually getting drafted in the seventh round. I think this is major when we're talking about other prospects in the NFL draft from the HBCU landscape. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar because they are the best protein bar on the market. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar with a multitude of flavors. I refuse to believe that there's somebody out there that does not have a flavor that appeals to them. Go to the website. I'll give it to you in a little bit. No, I'll give it to you now. I'll give it to you twice. I don't care. Built.com. Go to built.com and use, or excuse me, use your phone, use your laptop, whatever, and find a flavor that appeals to you. I refuse to believe that you cannot find one. Not banana cream pie, not raspberry, not cookies and cream, not blueberry muffin. Come on. And there's so many more to choose from. So even if I just named a couple that didn't appeal to you, go to the website and test me on my word. I promise you there's something there with 17 grams of protein four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and absolute deliciousness. I think that's a word. Yes, deliciousness. And they have the Built Bar Puffs that has a marshmallow and chocolate. Still the same health benefits. It's so amazing. You, know, you need to go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your offer. All right, so keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is adversity. It means a state or instance of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune. So we're going to be using that segment. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. And another thing that you need to be on the lookout for is Michael Batajo because he is climbing up the draft charts. I seen a mock draft the other day where he was selected 246th to the Cleveland Browns. And listen, there's been a lot of conversations about how many HBCU prospects will be selected in the draft. You have the four who are at the combine. Of course, you have Marquise Bell, Joshua Williams, Kobe Durant, Jatai Carter. You have Aquil Glass, the quarterback. You have James Houston. I've heard a lot of names be thrown out there. Michael Badajo has entered the chat. I just told you that I saw that mock draft, and it wasn't just a one-off. It was not just somebody saying okay yeah we're gonna take this kid from texas southern not a, there's been multiple i think five six seven teams been interested in michael badajo i see a player who is a guy who is going to get the most out of himself now i'll, I'll tell you this i know badajo personally i've known badajo for a while personally beyond just texas southern so i've seen things and this is not a way of admitting bias there is no bias i'm giving strictly facts here but i'm also going to give a perspective that are not a lot that not a lot of people will have there's not a lot of people who have known him and that will be talking about hbcu athletics as long as i have and i've seen a lot of things as far as his development as a player as time has went on so when i tell you i'm only telling you facts i'm telling you what i've seen i'm telling you the things that i have seen and i'm not a scout i leave that to gerald huggins bring him on every thursday to have scout talk However, I am a person who has an educated experience, has been playing football for a while. I stopped, of course, and now I do this, but I played football for a while. I watch a lot of football. I know a little bit of what I'm talking about. I'm just not out. So with that being said, I'm going to break down some of the things that I see in Badajo. I see a guy whose size helps him really play the run and the pass really well. I think I've even seen him slide inside in a couple of packages. So 
First off, he rushed at the passer. He had three and a half sacks on the season, had five tackles for a loss. He ended up getting a second team all swag nomination. And it was a player who came in with, with a lot of expectations on the year. He expected things from Badajo, and he did not disappoint. So I think I think a player like him is somebody who is going to get everything out of himself. He's a real hard worker. I've seen the, the work ethic that he has put together, and this is not me advocating for him at all. This is me telling you what I've seen. I've seen the body transformation and how he has really tried to work on keeping that intact and has made him a really better football player, honestly. I've watched this happen over time. And this is during his Texas Southern years. So while doing that, he's also stopped the run, rushed the pass. He gets a lot of pressures as well. And you see a lot of times where he's like, if you just, just right there for y'all who can't see, I'm doing a, the, that close. If you just an inch closer, but he's always affecting the passer. So sometimes that's not even, whatever well, is it recorded on the stat sheet, but sometimes it's not really credited as far as people who are watching. We don't really credit like, oh, yeah, he he didn't get the sack, but he almost, you know, he got to the receiver. I mean, got to the quarterback. Those are the type of plays that I see Badajo make a lot. And when I say that he's been really desired and and sought after recently, and I've just heard a lot of it. I've heard about six, seven teams. You have the Titans, the Texans, the Seahawks, Ravens, Broncos, 49ers, Panthers, Jaguars, Bears. And I told you that guy in Cleveland at the beginning of the show, I mean, beginning of the segment, I told you that guy in Cleveland has also said, yeah, you know what? We could use the Badajo guy. So I think that there's a lot. Oh, and I forgot. You have the Calgary Stampede who plays in in, in uh, Toronto. So, or excuse me, in uh, not Toronto, but in Canada. But um, and the thing about that is he's going to be on a roster next year. He's going to be playing football. That's what that tells me, that the CFL is looking. He's going to be playing football. He's going to be at least on a CFL roster. And we're talking worst-case scenario. Worst case scenario, I think that Badajo is playing in the CFL. Realistic worst case scenario, I think he's I think he's a camp body. I think that is the worst case scenario. I, I believe that with all the talk of him getting drafted, with the talk of all these teams interested in him, I think it's likely things are pointing towards him getting drafted right now. And if that isn't what's going to happen, because we never really know, I completely see him being a free agent that gets scooped up pretty quickly he's going to be in camp he's a guy who is going to give the best of himself and i know that sounds really cliche but in a way i mean it to say whatever he can be he is going to max out his potential and in that seventh sixth round range that undrafted free agent range that is exactly what you want the prototype of that player because he can do that play special teams if he can get on the field and do that i think he can really develop into somebody who sticks around I really do. I think that he has the traits as far as his size. And I know he has the mindset to go out there and get it. Get him in the right situation. He's 100% going to match. And at the worst, you're not going to have to wonder if, man, he just he just never lived up to his potential. I have no doubts about that. Now, going forward, I want to talk about Jackson State on the basketball side of things because they lost a major defender in the transfer portal. But first, Let me tell you about Rock Auto because Rock Auto is the place to go if you have any kinds of car trouble. Tore up your your windshield, just need some new windshield wipers, whatever, your side mirror broke, anything that you could possibly need, go to Rock Auto. And the best part about it is I can sit here just like this, hands behind my bed, hands behind my head, and then when I'm ready to buy something, go ahead, type, 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 this is what I need. No more going to the auto parts store. You can stay in your comfort of your own house and do this. I love it. I absolutely love it because I can get it done in my own house, in my own comfortable setting. In addition to that, 
I'm saving 30, 40, 50% off of what they would have charged me at those stores. If you don't like to save money, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I love to save money and I love to get quality parts. And I hate when I go to the auto parts store and they don't give me options. Let me choose. Don't pigeonhole me into only getting one thing because that's what's here. No, give me multiple options and Rock Auto does that. They have so many great benefits that I could go on for minutes and minutes and minutes. But I'm going to stop here and I'm going to tell you to go to rockauto.com and you and, uh, say locked on, excuse me, use locked on in the how did we hear about you section. All right, so wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, Jackson State is losing a major basketball team in Javius McKinnis. He's through the transfer portal as a graduate student and looking to make a major impact, an immediate impact on Ole Miss, his new school. Listen, Javius McKinnis is leaving Jackson State and going up north. He's going to Ole Miss. Now, this is the first time that Ole Miss and, and Jackson State have been connected as far as taking components of the team, you look at over at the women's side of things, then you say, oh, they tried to get Coach Reed, but, you know, things happen. They dodged the bullet on having to deal with that adversity of losing Coach Reed, but they were not able to retain. This isn't a shocker to them. They He announced his decision to transfer nearly two weeks ago at this point, but yesterday he or Monday he was only – or Monday he, he announced where he was actually going to go, which was Ole Miss. And I think with this, it's a move that it's not a win-win. Like when I said Jonathan Ross was leaving, it was like, okay, that might be a win-win. I could spin it. This is no way a win for Jackson State. He just isn't. And he ends his career with, he played all four years. And first off, you're going to see more people who play five years and not because they redshirted, but because of COVID. And those who were around for the COVID year, that was basically like a free year. You know, that was not count it so you'll see a lot more guys who are five-year players and played actually five years and he's one of those so let's get that out the way right there as a graduate transfer now with that applying to mckinnis he, he announced jackson state career averaging 10 points 9.8 rebounds and two blocks a game now i only put the 9.8 it's the only one that i actually put the decimal in and that's because i wanted to show just how close he was to averaging a double double for his entire career now, where he makes his name is on the defensive side of the ball. He is a guy who is an absolute defensive stalwart, three-time defensive player of the year in the SWAT. He's led the, the league, not just any, not just, you know, his team. He has led the league in blocks every single year that he's played. He's led the league in rebounds the last three years that he's played. So this is a guy who is averaging 10 points, nearly averages 10 rebounds, has two blocks, and in his 2021 season, it's 2020 to 2021 season, that's where I think maybe Ole Miss really saw him. A lot of people, he jumped out there because let's throw away the swag. Let's throw away Jackson State. Let's take him away and just put him in the country with no name, no school, no conference. And who is this player? Who is this Jay McKinnis guy? Well, in 2021, he was a player who ranked second in the country in rebounds per game, third in blocks. So you can see why Ole Miss would want him. He has a very clear role that he is really successful, one of the best in the country at. Now, you look at Ole Miss, they, 
I'm trying to use professional language, right? Let's let's use real actual quality media language. They are very poor at rebounding the ball. That's what they are. You look at where they are. Let's see. They are under the top. They're not in the top 150. That means there's more than 150 schools better at them at points allowed in the paint. Then they're not top 250, 250 in rebounds in the country. Mind you, what I just told you, this guy is high ranking in blocks. He's high ranking in, in rebounds, two things that they struggle. A block party would really help with the points allowed number. And then also you get rebounds. It obviously helps with the rebounds. And he's good at that. And I think that's something that he will be able to do a lot quicker than scoring. And I say immediate impact. He's a grad transfer. He got one year eligibility left. He has to make an immediate impact. It's either immediate impact or no impact. There is no in between. So I think that. He scored 10 points a game. It's not like he's a major bucket anyway, but he was really good at getting rebounds and getting blocks. And I think the timing of the blocks, that will come rather quickly. And then also the rebounds is something that's a lot more technique to it. I think that he will be able to do that. I'm not going to say right away, but I could see him being able to do that pretty quickly and making an impact. He needs to. So if I was a school that couldn't rebound to save my life, if I was a school that allowed so many points allowed, who would I get? What kind of player would I get? Well, I would seek out somebody who has ranked in the top five in the country in, in blocks, top five in the country in rebounds, three-time defensive player of the year in his conference. That's the kind of player that I would pick, and that kind of player is that Jay McKinnis, that person who we stripped the school, stripped the name from. That's Javius McKinnis. That is the player that I would ask for. So I think when you look at what he's done in, in, in Jackson State is what he's done in Jackson State. He has been absolutely phenomenal winning the defensive player of the year three times. Looking at his road ahead, I think this is a perfect match. It fills a hole that they desperately needed to fill with a guy. It's perfect. It's almost, as perfect in, it's almost as perfect as making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. Almost. Almost. Now, for tomorrow's episode, make sure you're tuning in for our top 10 Thursday as we keep on going. We're getting into number four. Who is our player number four? We're going with the rest of the guys who were all in the NFL combine, but you have to stick here and look to see what's the order going to be. Can't tell you that, but I can't tell you who the four guys are going to be. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On NFL Draft with former NFL and AFL cornerback Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy breaking you down, breaking down everything that you need. How many offensive linemen are going to go in the top 15? They'll give you the answer to that, and that's why I listen to them. Now, in the meantime, in between time, you can catch me on Twitter at South Exclusive. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Peace.